a look at news, analysis, and insight from around the Big Ten Conference. This is Big Ten Paradigm, part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. And here's your host, Mark Rogers. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to this week's edition of Big Ten Paradigm right here on the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Network. My name's Mark. Of course, Mark Rogers at The Voice of College Football. Join me for the best in discussion, debate, and analysis every day on YouTube. Again, it's The Voice of College Football. Well, I've done this for nine weeks by myself. Hey, it's going to be a much better show today. Got Steve Heltwagen on the line. can join Steve on Bucknuts 247 Sports covering Ohio State Athletics top to bottom course football and basketball in particular again bucknuts 247 sports steve it's good to have you today yep great to be with you all right well let's get right to it i'm i'm just glad that you got back from uh, evanston illinois and you didn't get blown down by the wind or blown into a fence or whatever what was that like that was terrible the conditions were awful um i walked out of the hotel at eight in the morning and got hit with a blast of wind immediately and uh that that was no fun i can tell you that and then obviously uh from there it it never got any better the entire day it was weird i got back to the hotel late on saturday and uh the wind had pretty well died down so the conditions became you know much much calmer later on but during the game the gusts were up to 40 miles per hour i guess and uh it was also a situation where there was rain kind of cascading down. It wasn't a heavy rain for most of the game. And then right before halftime, it poured down rain. We got a a thunderstorm watch and thankfully there was no lightning or they would have had to stop the game. And then uh, thankfully we were able to continue playing. And uh, ultimately uh, they, uh, the weather kind of all pushed off to the east and everything worked out. So, yeah, it was uh, it was a crazy day weather-wise. It definitely impacted the game. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, so let's get to that because you were there. Uh, the rest of us watched on TV. And, of course, if you're pro-Ohio State, you're going to make certain excuses and disclaimers about the weather, which obviously impacted the game. C.J. Stroud doesn't throw for 76 yards against anybody, so it obviously had a huge impact. You know, how do you kind of sort through what type of impact, what was real in regards to the struggles and what was Northwestern and what's Ohio State as as they continue to struggle in certain ways on offense? Yeah, I think Northwestern had a better plan uh, to deal with it. As we saw with their offense, Uh, they came up with unique and creative ways to run the football and mixed in some high percentage short passing. Their quarterback, Brennan Sullivan, was 10 of 14 didn't throw an interception. He had thrown three in the two games previous to that. It was only his third start. He kept the ball and was running the ball. They ran the ball out of the Wildcat, and Ohio State defensively, it seemed, was very slow on the uptake, trying to figure out how to stop the Wildcat, how to contain the quarterback run on third down. He probably converted five third downs himself. So uh, that was kind of uh, disconcerting, I think, from the Ohio State standpoint. But then over on offense, the Buckeyes uh, were trying to throw the ball with their typical passing game, which is 10 and 20 yards downfield. They never geared that down to where they were just looking for short, high percentage passes. And as a result, Stroud, his numbers really reflected that. 10 of 26, 
a bunch of drops by the receivers, and they just never got into sync trying to throw the football. It's like they were trying to put a square peg into a round hole, and it just wasn't wasn't going to work for them. So uh, they eventually in the second half ringing it much better than they did in the first half. I think it was more, maybe more a battle of attrition eventually in Ohio State's talent and maybe some edge in terms of size and depth really uh, wore Northwestern down perhaps in the second half. And the Buckeyes were able to, to score a couple of touchdowns and, and put it away. But uh, this thing was still in doubt really until about the middle of the fourth quarter. And uh, the Buckeyes finally uh, finally got the, uh, the touchdown to go ahead 21 to 7. You know, Steve, everybody can understand the whole passing end of it with the wind and rain and Ohio State's proven for years. And, and this group has proven for the last two years. They're a prolific passing offense. So I think everybody gets that. It's this continued issue running the football. It was Iowa. It was Penn State. And now to a different degree, Northwestern. Now they did break free in the last 10 minutes against Penn State. Kind of similar here. They finally got it going. You know, what do you make all of uh, in terms of all of that? Because it seems to be solely offensive line related. Yeah, you know, I think some of it is the scheme and a good bit of it is the execution by the offensive line. But as Coach Day said, uh, they were having anywhere between seven and nine players in the box to try and stop the run. Uh, their defense took the tack that uh, they weren't going to get hurt over the top with the passing game. And, uh, so they really crowded the line of scrimmage. And I don't think Mayan Williams was healthy. I think that's the first thing. He left the Penn State game with some type of a wrist injury of some sort. His knees have been bothering him. So I just think that uh, it was a combination of things. And the fact of the matter is, as you said, Penn State and Iowa in normal conditions had done a good job of containing the Ohio State run game. Finally, they integrated C.J. Stroud into it a little bit there in the second half. He had seven carries for 79 yards. I believe he had a 44-yard run that helped set up a touchdown uh, that uh, kind of put it away. So, you know, I just look at it that um, they've got to they've got to play better. I mean, that's just the fact of the matter. They're not going to win the Big Ten championship. They're not going to contend for the national championship if they can't be a little bit cleaner on offense running the football. It's a case now where you're almost to the point of just saying they're going to throw the ball to establish the run, whereas it really needs to be vice versa in these adverse conditions. So you hit on a great point with C.J. Stroud because the first time they ran that fourth, because they were knocking their head against the wall on these third and ones and fourth and ones, they kept getting denied, couldn't push anything ahead, couldn't make it happen. And then, then C.J. pulls it and he goes around the end for about 20 yards and it's like, wow, where did that come from? And then he did it later in the game. And my thought was, has Ryan Day been waiting to pull this on Michigan? Or has he been waiting until late in the season to pull this out, to put on tape to show to Michigan, to get them thinking and give them more to prepare for? Because it's, you know, it's funny. Uh, you know as well as anyone, the first time we saw C.J. Stroud in a meaningful game in, a, in, a, in an Ohio State uniform, of course, he ran for 50 yards and a touchdown against Michigan State. But ironically, he becomes the guy that never wants to run, refuses to run. And now they designed some plays for him, so he had to run it, and it was successful. Yeah, I think Coach Day, the way he portrayed it, is that uh, C.J. Stroud is definitely a willing runner uh, for the Buckeyes, but 
they've just decided they wanted to keep him healthy. So they did not want to put him in a position where he was going to get hurt. And that's understandable. He's their meal ticket, throwing the football. And so they kind of learned that lesson with Justin Fields, who we you know saw yesterday with uh, the Chicago Bears, is an outstanding runner when he's healthy and given the opportunity. And he did that at Ohio State, but he paid the price for it. He got banged up and he wasn't 100% you know, at the end of the season when they were playing Alabama for national championship. Of course, there were a bunch of guys out with COVID and injuries and other things. But, uh, you know, I just look at it that uh, it was a conscious decision that they had made that they weren't going to have him do that. And uh, that's just the way that it all worked out. And I just think that, uh, you know, he went to them. They came to him and said, hey, we can we can make some hay here running the football if uh, – if uh, you you will uh, keep it. So they, they did put those reads in there. And obviously he paid huge dividends the, the few times he did run it. And then, of course, they score their first touchdown from a non-traditional set. They Emeka Buka scores the first touchdown running the football. So the other thought is, hey, are they going to be coming up with more creative ways, maybe utilizing the wide receivers in the run game, to, to potentially try to loosen things up if they can't get uh, traditional yards from traditional sets from the running back. Yeah, you make a good point. Emeka Buka looks like he's a good weapon, but again, you, you can't overdo that as they overdid some of the screens to the receivers in previous games. Uh, there's a there's a law of diminishing returns at some point. Uh, they've just got to get better at their bread and butter, and that's that's what they're going to be working on this week, I bet. Hey guys, with the college football season heading toward the midway point, you need a sports book with integrity and longevity that you can rely on, like Bet Us. Did you know that Bet Us has been pioneers in the sports book industry for over 25 years, paying their loyal customer base quickly and securely? Well, we want you to go to betus.com and take advantage of an offer we have with all our shows right here at the College Gridiron Coast to Coast. You'll receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using our code COAST22. That's COAST22. Put $100 in. Get an additional $125 to play with or $200 initially deposited. Gets you $250 and so on. And bet us also as the NFL, Major League Baseball postseason, and soon the NBA, as well as almost any sport you can think of. But we know you are college football fans first and foremost, and we want you to be with us all season long on BetUs.com. Check them out, BetUs.com, and remember our 125% match bonus for initial signups with our code COAST22. BetUs. You bet, you win, you get paid. You're listening to Big Ten Paradigm. This is our 10th edition covering college football on the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Network. Check out all the podcasts here uh, covering college football from coast to coast. Got Steve Hellwagon here talking up the Buckeyes and the Big Ten. You can join Steve on Bucknuts 247 Sports. Uh, Michigan beats Rutgers 52-17, a very different kind of game, but at the same time uh, similar in that Michigan looks sloppy early. Rutgers gets a blocked punt. They lead 17-14, and then Michigan puts down the throttle, scores the last 38 uh, to win going away, Steve. Yeah, it kind of looked like the same thing that they got lulled into believing that just showing up and winning the game was going to be all that it took. And to give up a blocked punt for a touchdown, you know, obviously that's not uh, 
not a great recipe for a, a team that's got Big Ten national championship aspirations itself. And here's Rutgers. You know, I mean, they honestly had nothing to lose in this game, just trying to somehow scratch out enough wins to get to uh, 500 and get to a bowl game. And they've, they've still got a ways to go with that. But uh, I think they've got four wins now. But uh, so they came out pulled out all the stops and Greg Schiano and they're up 17 to 14 at halftime and had to be feeling pretty good about themselves. But uh, Michigan found that fifth gear in the second half, 38 to nothing awe inspiring to watch the way that they played. And that's the top five Michigan team that we all come to know and love. And I, I'm just, just kidding. Of course, when I say that, but the, the team that we can appreciate that, that is a, a top Five team and a contender uh, going down the stretch here, nine and zero, right there in the hunt for a playoff berth, and uh, they played lights out football in that second half. And uh, I think you've got to give their offense credit for getting back to their uh, base, which is Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards running the football, and JJ McCarthy being very economical passing it and. Uh, very efficient, and uh, th they played their style of football in the second half. They gave Rutgers nothing, and uh, that's what you want to see if you're a Michigan fan that second half. They play like that. They're going to be a hard team for anybody to beat, and uh, you know they're pointed toward that last game with Ohio State just as Ohio State is pointed toward that last game with Michigan, and you know, these two teams, if they're playing their best football, we're really in for something here in a few weeks. J.T. McCarthy came into the game leading the nation in completion percentage, but hit just 13 of 27 against the Scarlet Knights, actually a top 20 defense in the country. But of course, they can't move the ball, especially through the air. Blake Corum uh, continuing his Heisman candidacy, 100 yards, a couple touchdowns for the Wolverines, 52-17. Steve, the most important game in the Big Ten over the weekend was actually this Michigan State upset at Illinois as a 16-point underdog. They win 23-15. Illinois had a bit of a cushion uh, toward this division championship, but there are all sorts of variables in play now that we'll get into when we look at uh, Week 11. But uh, Michigan State goes up there amidst all the controversy of their misgivings in Ann Arbor, suspending eight players, everybody in the world against them to a certain extent, you know, just not a good look, a good brand image type play for Michigan of state, of course, at the big house. And then they turn around and pull off an upset. Yeah. Just a crazy outcome in this topsy turvy big 10 West race. And uh, you know, Michigan state completely embarrassed the week before on the field, 29 to seven to Michigan and then off the field with the behavior in the tunnel some of those guys involved in that will probably never play another game at Michigan State with the season winding down. I'm sure they'll be encouraged to enter the transfer portal and go elsewhere. There were two or three starters, I think, that were part of that uh, melee who, you know, were suspended. And yet the guys who were left, Mel Tucker was able to circle the wagons and they went out to uh, Illinois and here's Illinois, again, probably just figuring, oh, this is a team in complete disarray. Uh, you know, Illinois is not good enough to the point yet where they just show up and win games. Uh, they have to go out and gut these games out just like everybody else, and they found out that they're not as good as they think they are. Uh, Peyton Thorne played a really good game, as we think he's a quality quarterback, but, you know, situations have conspired against him this year. 
uh, Michigan State, uh, Illinois outgained Michigan State 441 to 294 in total yardage. But when it got down to be fourth down, uh, Michigan State stopped Illinois five times on fourth down in this game and uh, won every key, you know, where you have those three or four plays where you say this is the play of the game. Uh, Michigan State won every one of those situations and, uh, you know, held on at the end for the 23-15 to 15 win. Michigan State left for dead, you know, after last week, is now 4-5 and five and has an opportunity here with a couple more wins to actually get to a bowl game that I don't think anybody thought was possible. Illinois went into the week with a one-game lead in the West and still has a one-game lead in the West despite the loss because Purdue inexplicably, well, maybe not inexplicably, but uh, – Purdue lost as well. So it's a log jam there at the top of the West. And yeah, I think from the Ohio State and Michigan perspective, there's a lot of I-I-I perspective on this because whoever shows up in Indianapolis is probably going to have at least three and maybe four losses on their overall record. To your point, Illinois is no prolific offense. So for them to gain 440 yards, they were moving the ball up and down the field but kept making critical mistakes, getting stopped in the red zone. They were actually down 23 to seven with two and a half minutes left to play. You shouldn't have a shot in that situation, but they actually score the touchdown, get within eight. Then they get the ball back. They drive all the way down the field and they had a pretty good, you know, 30 seconds left at the 25 yard line, a pretty good shot to get something done to tie the game and some, some way miraculously pull it out, but they didn't get it done. Um, Chase Brown still got his 136 yards. He leads the nation in rushing. Uh, they still have the number one defense, but uh, yeah, uh, the the important thing is the Big Ten Western Division scenario here, uh, which becomes Iowa and Wisconsin come into play. Possibly Iowa somehow finds an offense, uh, at least for them, that seemed like an offensive explosion uh, with three touchdowns on that side of the football, beating Purdue 24 to three in Wisconsin, Maryland seems like a ho-hum that doesn't matter game, but because of what we're going to talk about with week 11, those two results may matter. All right, we got Steve Hellwagon here from Bucknuts 247 Sports covering Ohio State football on a daily basis. Check out his work. Again, bucknuts.com. And this is the Big Ten paradigm right here at College Gridiron Coast to Coast. My name's Mark. You can join me on the Voice of College Football on YouTube every day. Cali football fans, the season seems to get better each and every week. The matchups are ridiculously good and getting better now that we're in conference play. You're looking for the best seats at the most competitive prices, and we want to make sure you take advantage of Ticket Smarter and their mobile app. We know that buying college football tickets online requires trust, and Ticket Smarter has partnered with more than 100 universities and 24 conferences as their official ticket resale marketplace. They have also partnered with ESPN Events as an official ticket resale partner as well. And with the best selection of NCAA football tickets, Ticket Smarter makes sure fans from all over the country experience the power and excitement of college football live. Purchase your tickets quickly, securely, and at the best prices in the secondary market with the Ticket Smarter mobile app or at TicketSmarter.com. And we've got an additional offer for those listening to all our podcasts here on College Gridiron Coast to Coast. Take 5% off your purchase of $100 or more with our promo code GRIDIRON22. That's GRIDIRON22 
for 5% off your order of $100 or more. And that code isn't just a one-time deal. No, use our code as many times as you want this season for the best selection of college football seats to the biggest games. Check out the selections and the pricing now with Ticket Smarter. And remember our code, GRIDIRON22. Think smarter, ticket smarter. Steve, let's get to week 11. So what we were just talking about with this whole crazy Illinois situation, uh, this is the game of the week in the Big Ten by far. It's Purdue at Illinois. So a 5-4 and four team is factoring into the most important game in the conference. And basically, so Illinois has got a one-game lead on Purdue. Obviously, if the Boilers, who have been blown out in recent weeks against Iowa and Wisconsin, not playing good football, can somehow find a win on the road, they take control of the Big Ten Western Division. But everybody's got to keep their eye on Wisconsin and Iowa as well, because actually they um, they both beat Purdue. So they're only a game behind. So the winner of that game actually could win out and win the Big Ten Western Division if Purdue beats Illinois. If, if, if Illinois wins, they've got a one-game lead. They go to a two-game lead. Uh, they're in decent shape uh, for the stretch drive, although they go to Michigan the, the following week. But it's it's a crazy scenario. But uh, there's three or four teams in play still. Yeah, I think Minnesota's three and three as well. I think if any of these five teams, I think everybody except uh, Northwestern and Nebraska are still in this race. I think if any of these five teams is able to go three and zero down the stretch, and uh, win their last three games, they they might be the the team that goes to Indianapolis because, again, there's a lot of tiebreakers and scenarios involved here and who beat who, but uh, you know I think that there's there's any one of those five teams could could probably still uh, win the West, which is crazy because uh, Wisconsin uh, fired their coach and Jim Leonard has sparked a, a bit of a revival there. I'm not sure if it's going to be enough for him to get the full-time job there at Wisconsin, although I think the fan base would love it if Jim Leonard, one of their own, uh, gets elevated to that spot, particularly if he can win out. Uh, you know, that would be huge. But as you bring up the Purdue-Illinois game, uh, Purdue, we thought, was in a good position uh, they went out to Iowa this past week and lost 24 to three. And uh, the Iowa defense play, showed its teeth. I mean, they were every bit as good as advertised and they made life miserable for Aiden O'Connell, who's been one of the most prolific passers in the big 10 this year. I believe he had three interceptions in that game. Uh, as I'm looking back over it uh, and my computer is being wonky. Oh, I'm sorry, two interceptions. He had a season-low 168 yards and two interceptions in that game. And so uh, Purdue missed out on an opportunity to draw even uh, with Illinois for the lead, and now they'll play each other this week. Uh, Purdue won their game last year 13-9 to and has won five of the last six games in this series. So uh, Illinois, you know, at home at, uh, you know, where they lost to Michigan State is going to want to protect home field advantage uh, there at Memorial Stadium. And uh, that should be a heck of a game. You mentioned it's the Big Ten game of the week, but uh, the networks didn't see it that way. It was uh, Fox with the first pick taking Ohio State, Indiana, then ABC with the second pick taking Nebraska, Michigan, Fox with the third pick taking Maryland, Penn State for the 330 slot 
And finally, Purdue, Illinois, you have to search for it. It's on the deuce, ESPN2 at uh, noon on Saturday. But it is a pivotal game, no question, in the Big Ten West. Brands bring ratings, so that's they what it do. comes down to there. Because, yeah, they that Purdue-Illinois game, that's the most important game. Aside from some crazy upset happening, that's the game of the week in the Big Ten. And, uh, again, Steve and I won't go through all the scenarios, but basically Illinois takes an enormous step toward winning the West with a one-game lead already. If they win, if Purdue wins, it's it's Anybody's fair game across the board. Anybody's and, race, yeah. And, and I think Wisconsin and Iowa in particular – in good shape because Minnesota lost head to head to both Purdue and Illinois. So Wisconsin and Iowa get together in yeah. Iowa city. This game suddenly became a pretty important game. Now oh, it's, and, it's uh, critical. And, yeah. So, so this is an interesting one. This is usually the game of the year in the big 10 Western division. <laughs> These are the two that usually uh, on a fairly regular basis play for the division, but they now factor in again. Yeah. The, the big thing here is, you have two teams with five wins, Wisconsin and Iowa. And I think a week or two ago, to, to say the words Iowa and bull birth in the same sentence, people would have laughed at you. But, uh, you know, they've, they've kind of pulled, the, pulled it together here. And now the winner of this game will get the six wins and will be eligible for a bull bid and also stay in the division race. And that is just unbelievable given how bad these teams have played uh, in previous weeks, Wisconsin to the point that Paul Christ lost his job, Iowa to the point that uh, Kirk Ferentz each week, it was a referendum on him and he and his son, Brian, on, uh, on, on their direction of the Iowa program. So I think that uh, they've each done a tremendous job, and I think the winner of that game is going to be in a pretty good spot coming out of that game. Iowa back home at Kinnick Stadium, uh, Wisconsin getting some momentum with that win over Maryland last week that, uh, you know, perhaps they can make a late season run for Jim Leonard. Uh, Wisconsin's won five of the last six games in the rivalry with Iowa. That includes they, they won last year 27-7 to at home, but uh, Iowa did beat Wisconsin 28-7 to at home in the COVID year in 2020. So I don't know what the odds makers have on this one. I presume it's uh, maybe Wisconsin minus three and a over under of thirty, but uh, <laughs> it should be it should be a low scoring, head butting type game there at Kinnick Stadium. No doubt, Wisconsin looks like they're back to themselves with Jim Leonard taking over, and of course he's vying for the full time job. A lot of people believe that he's been targeted as the guy. So as long as he doesn't really screw it up or there doesn't seem to be any kind of major concerns about his leadership that, you know, they elevated him for a reason at that point. And they, they are three and one uh, under him and their two most recent outings, a dominant performance against Purdue, dominant performance against Maryland, the typical Wisconsin formula. Graham Mertz only goes five for 18, albeit I understand win conditions. So, but five for 18 in the passing game, but they have 200 yard rushers and uh, that's how they do it. Iowa, Steve, is the only defense in the nation that gives up less than four yards per play. Wow, that is crazy. And uh, I got to see him up close in person against Ohio State, and it was Ohio State eventually that, that broke through, uh, that broke the dam open, you know, and, and their offense scored 47 points 
of the 54 that they scored against Iowa, but uh, Iowa definitely made them earn it. They had them settle for a bunch of field goals in that first half, and then Ohio State hit some some big plays on them as the game wore down. And really, you know, you, you can't hold it against the Iowa defense when they're having to defend short fields all day long, at least back in that game, because their offense generated nothing that day. And uh, if, uh, if the quarterback Petrus is able to just be, you, you know, steady, you know, not, not turn the ball over, convert some third downs, and they're able to run it a little bit, then Iowa with that defense could be good enough to beat most of these teams they're going to play, uh, particularly in the, in the big 10 West. Yeah, maybe getting pulled a few weeks ago uh, shook him up or something because the yeah. Iowa offense has been adequate. It's been capable. For them, it's been prolific, but it's been capable, <laughs> adequate the last couple of weeks. Uh, just out of nowhere, Caleb Johnson had 200 yards rushing. They threw the ball capably. You know, that just hasn't happened now for the last two years. Uh, Minnesota needs to avoid an upset, of course. They take on Northwestern. That seems like an obvious win, but the way Minnesota – buttons down the running game and, and plays so conservative and really can't throw the ball effectively themselves. That could be a rock fight as well. Yeah. Just going to say on Minnesota, they trailed 10, nothing at home or no, it was at Nebraska to Nebraska. And here's Nebraska scratching, trying to get anything positive uh, for Mickey Joseph, the interim head coach. And they're in position to, to finally break through and win a big 10 game. Tanner Morgan, the starter for Minnesota gets knocked out. The backup comes in. Mo Ibrahim runs for over 120 yards, and Minnesota pulls that thing out, 20 to 13. And, and I don't recall, as I was just kind of looking at the scores all day, the only time I ever saw a score that Minnesota had the lead was when somebody showed me it had gone final. So it was they trailed basically the entire game and uh, somehow gutted that one out to stay in the division race. And if Tanner Morgan can come back and play down the stretch and Mo Ibrahim stays healthy and their defense continues to play pretty well, you can't count out the Gophers either. So, um, you know, this last three weeks in the West is going to be crazy. And uh, you got to like them at home uh, back at back in Minneapolis against, you know, Northwestern, which obviously they didn't pl- just play out the string this past week against Ohio State. They made Ohio State uh, – earn everything they got, but, uh, you know, are they going to, what, what kind of a showing are they going to put on the road at Minnesota? Be interesting to see. Yeah. Northwestern for all their futility, they actually went to Maryland a couple of weeks ago and that game was 24 all with about three minutes left. So they're, they're putting up a fight. They're playing for Pat Fitzgerald, but my goodness, they're four and 17 the last two years. It's just, uh, it's just not been good at Northwestern, Nebraska, yeah. and Michigan, Steve, does Nebraska give Michigan any kind of resistance in this game? I can't see it. Um, they played last year out in Lincoln and Michigan had to gut out a 32 to 29 win. I don't think that they, uh, I mean, it went down to the final minute or two, which a lot of Nebraska games, uh, at least in the Scott Frost tenure seemed to be decided at the end. And it was always involving, uh, Lucy Van Pelt pulling the ball away from Charlie Brown at the absolute last second and Nebraska Charlie Brown going for a, a tumble. But, uh, you know, I just uh, I can't imagine going on the road that that uh, they're going to give Michigan uh, much of a run, particularly the way Michigan's played in recent weeks. They blew out Penn State. 
they blew out Michigan State. Second half against Rutgers was lights out. Uh, so what is that? Ten of their last 12 quarters of football, they've been outstanding. So they're playing their best football at the right time. Uh, their defense is playing much better, and they're getting better by the week, their defense. So, um, you know, I know the, the Nebraska, there's been a lot of rumors that Mickey Joseph could be elevated by Trev Alberts, the athletic director, to become the permanent head coach at Nebraska. But, you know, they're looking at two and four under him with the loss at Michigan this week. And I don't know how that would go over with the fan base to elevate a guy who's two and four. But uh, usually I, I, I guess if it was my vote, I'd say go for a complete fresh start. But <laughs> that's just me, I guess. Steve, if you're simply talking about championships, this is a meaningless game, but it might turn out to be the most competitive or entertaining game. Uh, Maryland at Penn State. Penn State seems to be locked in this. They they lose their biggest games of the year, then they kind of play out the string, and if they're able to run the table, they finish a nice little nifty 10-2. and two. They've done that a number of times, of course, under James Franklin, and here they are again playing meaningless football at the end of the year, but looking for better rankings, bowl position, maybe a New Year's six if they can get to 10 wins. And Maryland has had a strong season, but of course they're coming off a loss at Wisconsin to drop them to six and three. Yeah, and I think from Maryland's standpoint, you got to be a little bit troubled about what happened with Wisconsin. They only scored 10 points in the game at Wisconsin, and I think that that's got to be a little bit troubling. So, yeah, I just think that uh, you look at it and uh, you just say that uh, – that uh, Maryland, uh, they've got to play their best game. If they're going to go into Penn State and pull out a win, Penn State played really well this past week to put up 45 points on the road at Indiana. Uh, both quarterbacks, Clifford and the, the freshman, Aller, both played pretty well. Uh, they had two 100-yard rushers uh, with Singleton and Catron Allen and back home against Maryland. Um you know, this is the this is kind of a make or break game, I think, for Penn State. You've got it right because wherever they're ranked, probably in the teens somewhere, if they just keep winning, they're going to end up in right around ten or eleven, which would put them in position for a New Year Six back back dooring their way into a New Year Six bowl. You know, maybe the 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 I don't know, maybe the well, it wouldn't be the Fiesta, probably wouldn't be the Rose because uh, the Ohio State-Michigan loser would probably go to the Rose Bowl. But, uh, uh, you know, maybe the Cotton or, or, the, or the, uh, the Orange Bowl, perhaps. I, I don't know. But uh, there could be a New Year's Six spot open for them uh, if they are able to, uh, to, to win out. So uh, a critical game, and they've got to do a good job of containing uh, Tylea Tagovailoa. They didn't do that great of a job with C.J. Stroud. Two weeks ago, he threw for, you know, big numbers against them. And uh, Maryland's got that playmaking ability. They just didn't show it last week at Wisconsin. And finally, Steve, uh, Indiana, they're limping 3-0 and to start the season. Six straight losses. Connor Baselak uh, injured. Jack Tuttle had to play the game against Penn State. They get blown out in the second half by 31. But in terms of what matters here, I think all eyes are going to be on the Ohio State running game uh, in Columbus on Saturday. Yeah, no doubt about it. Ohio State, three terrible games running the football, though they did end up netting 200 yards last week 
against Northwestern because it was they basically gave up on throwing the ball in those conditions and finally found some things that worked. But uh, they got to get back to running the football when they want to run the football and not, uh, you know, not uh, getting stopped as they have. For Indiana, you just wonder about Tom Allen. Um, you know, he he was they were the sensation of the Big Ten two years ago in the COVID year when they got all the way up into the top 10, end up six and two and, uh, you know, had a, had by their standards a a fabulous season. Um, since then though, the last two seasons, they are one and 14 against big 10 opponents. And uh, that's not going to get it done. And you just wonder if, uh, you know, they, they're at a stretch now they're three and six. Uh, they're not going to a bowl game because they're not going to beat Ohio state in Ohio stadium. So the best they can end up is five and seven. And, uh, you know, is that going to be enough for them to stick with Tom Allen for another year? I mean, it's basketball season at Indiana. They're picked to win the Big Ten by the media poll. And, uh, you, you know, obviously by the the lack of people who turned out, you know, to see him play Penn State this past week, uh, the excitement surrounding that program is about nil right now. So uh, Bazelak is expected to try and play this week, I think, against Ohio State. At least that's what Coach Allen said after the game. Tuttle got knocked out of the game with a shoulder injury, so they had to put a true freshman uh, into the game to finish it up, and uh, that's not a not a way to win against Penn State. So uh, that game ended up maybe a bigger blowout than, than what people would thought. Hey, folks, we appreciate you stopping by for another edition of Big Ten Paradigm right here on the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Network. Again, there are podcasts posted every day covering all the major conferences plus. So again, College Gridiron Coast to Coast. Join me, Mark Rogers, at the Voice of College Football. We're on YouTube every day posting videos and live streams. Catch Steve's work, Steve Hellwagon, Bucknuts 247 Sports. Steve, we appreciate you stopping by. This was great and getting your insight on the uh, Big Ten. Yep, no problem, Mark. Take care. Once again, folks, Big Ten Paradigm. We will see you all back here next week.